How do I find a new job? How can I make a career change? And the biggest question of all, can I really find a career that I love? Hey, my name is Jen Smith, and I believe career success doesn't have to be at the expense of living a radiantly happy and healthy lifestyle. As a former HR leader and recruiter turned career coach, I get what companies are looking for when hiring top talent. What that means for you is an unmatched combination of insider knowledge and the best kept secrets about making heart-based career changes and navigating the ups and downs of job searching in today's world of work. Whether you're a recent graduate navigating the job market for the first time or a seasoned professional ready for a career change, this show is for you. So grab your coffee or your kombucha, pull up a seat and get ready to be challenged and inspired to move beyond your self-doubt and take the right next steps towards landing a career you love. Because you deserve a long, radiantly happy and healthy career. This is the Flourish Careers Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Flourish Careers Podcast. I'm Jen Smith, your host, And today I am thrilled to be here for another installment of Flourishing Together, a monthly segment dedicated to curated conversations with industry insiders sharing wisdom and strategies for improving your work and well-being. Today, I'm delighted to introduce you to Sarah Young, who is here with us to share her insights about energy and intuition. Such a fun topic. So Sarah is the founder of Zing Collaborative, a leadership development company that works with organizations, teams, and individuals to create expansive impact. She's also the author of Expansive Impact, an invitation to lead in everyday moments. I highly recommend Sarah's book. It is fantastic, jam-packed with so many practical examples and insights and relatable stories about modern day leadership. Sarah is grateful to work with leaders spanning industries and roles from executive leadership teams to construction and manufacturing companies to high growth startups and professional organizations. She's a former corporate leader and a two-time Ironman finisher, which is so cool. She's a certified professional coach and has been named a top executive coach several years in a row. Sarah has a deep appreciation for nature, travel, sunshine, paddle boarding, and leisurely bike rides with ample opportunity to enjoy the view. Hashtag nourish to flourish. So we have a lot in common. Sarah has a rescue pup. She enjoys cooking and coffee and loves precious hours of the early mornings. And fun fact, Sarah doesn't know I'm going to say this, but at one point I learned that Sarah and I both shared a secret desire to open a flower shop had we not pursued the careers that we're currently in. So who would have thought that we share a love for early mornings, coffee, cooking, dogs, nature, and a hidden dream of opening a flower shop? So who knows? Maybe there's even another future collaboration in there somewhere. So Sarah, welcome to the show. 
Thank you so much, Jen. And yes, I forgot about that, but thank you for reminding me of our secret shared fantasy career of the floral shop. <laughs> Such a pretty like view, you know, just to have flowers, be surrounded by flowers all day long. And yes, I've always thought it would be so lovely just to have people come in and make their cut flower bouquets. And what a fun day that would be. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. I love it. And it feels so timely too, just as we're talking today and your beautiful, beautiful floral wall in the background. So I love it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So many good connections. So Sarah, I heard you talk about clean energy on Jenny Blake's Pivot podcast, which we will add to the show notes. And it inspired me to ask you to have a deeper conversation about it. And I just want to clarify, when we talk about clean energy, we're not talking about it in the environmental, sustainability, waste reduction sense. It's more about clean energy associated with intuition. And intuition and energy are so challenging to discuss and describe because you can't see them. <laughs> so it's always kind of this mysterious thing, but it's also super important. It's a very important component when it comes to making heart-based decisions or, you know, career decisions or anything, basically, um, that you're moving forward with in life. And so with that, I wanted for you to share with us what you mean when you say clean energy. Yeah, so this term came to be because I was talking with Jenny and a couple of other friends and colleagues about two things. So the first was some spaces that we have found ourselves in that where something feels off, you know, so it could be a client relationship, it could be a networking event, it could be somebody reaches out and they ask you something in a way that just feels off in some way that you can't quite describe. And then we were contrasting that with another space that we're part of, which just feels so flowing and easeful and energetically aligned. And we were trying to process what is it about these other situations that that just feel off because it sometimes it's something extremely subtle. And like you said, it's not always something that you can see or really easily tangibly wrap your head around. And so after some processing and discussion, discussion about this, we came up with this idea of clean and dirty energy, which is when the energy is clean, it, it's, it's easeful, it's flowing. You can just show up and be authentically who you are. And I think about it as an energetic currency where the energy from both people or all people um, in the situation is flowing in a way that feels harmonious. Whereas dirty energy, oftentimes there's something in the space that you can't quite put your finger on, but it feels off. So, you know, it could be in a one-on-one -on -one conversation where someone says something that it sits with you in a way that, you know, you find yourself thinking about and thinking about. And it's like, it, it could have been a small comment or it could have been a side comment, but something about it just felt off. It could also be when you walk into a space or you walk into an event or you sign up for a program and something just doesn't quite feel right. Um, <laughs> you know, and and so like you said, it's it's hard to describe because it's not visible, it's not super tangible, but it's a feeling that we have when we engage in something, whether it's a person or a situation. And Basically, what, what I've landed on is if we can pay attention to whether something feels like clean or dirty energy, oftentimes it helps us to make better decisions about what to do next. Because for me anyway, in the past, I have been very good at 
what like what Adam Grant would call logic bullying myself <laughs> out of feeling the way that I feel. So I might have felt the dirty energy. And instead of paying attention to that and making a decision accordingly, I felt it. But then I told myself, oh, that's just silly or that's your imagination. So that's a high level, I guess, explanation of how I think about, you know, clean and dirty energy. Yes. Two things I'd love to add there. One is when you were talking about clean energy and flowing and it made me visualize like a river with like yes. super clear, clean water and it's like flowing along. And then you contrast that to like a river that's like almost dried up or has like a bunch of dirt and seaweed, you know? So it's like when you, you can kind of visualize those two things yes. and it's very different when you visualize that. And the other thing that came to mind is, and I know this is a pretty hot topic in the corporate world right now, but it's this idea of psychological safety. And it's just like, you feel comfortable to talk. You yes. feel comfortable yes. to show up as yourself versus yeah. like, I remember, you know, in certain situations in corporate, I would be dressed in something that just didn't even feel like me. You yes. know, it wasn't me. It just wasn't, you know? And so... I think like when you when you notice to your point when you notice how you're 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 showing up and how you're feeling when you're showing up and do you feel comfortable that can really help you you know determine whether or not it's clean or, or dirty energy. I love those examples the the river example and then I love what you said about even what you were wearing. I had a very similar situation. It was so silly when I started my business in 2013 and I first started working in the corporate space. I had this idea in my head that to work in the corporate space I needed to wear like black blazers and, and a suit. And if I were going to be taken seriously with, you know, the executives that I was working with, I needed to be wearing this, this suit basically. And, you know, never in my life have I ever worn a suit and in that way, like consistently. <laughs> and I think it's such a good example because it's not bad, right? And And wearing a suit or wearing something that doesn't fully feel like you it's not like we're doing that with any ill intent, but I think that's a really good example of just the most subtle example of dirty energy because we're showing up in a way that doesn't quite feel aligned as a way to, to fit into the context or try to make an impression or whatever it is. So again, it's not it's not terrible. The world is not going to end because you, know, you or I are wearing some outfit that doesn't feel like us. But I think that's a really brilliant example because we can tune in and say, okay, does this feel fully aligned? Is there just even a tiny something off here? And then if so, what could shift so that we can show up for ourselves in that place of clean energy? And then hopefully you know, within whatever context we're stepping into. Yes, 100%. And to add to that, when you think about the energy that it takes to try to contort yourself and to like try to feel comfortable in a space that you're not, it's so much more energy that's wasted just trying to do that, you know, versus if you show up in a space, you know, where the river is clean and flowing and natural, you know, there's a big difference there too. And you can probably notice that in your own energy, you know, when you try to fit into something that that doesn't work for you, it just drains it right away versus, you know, generating your energy, which is what I talk about a lot and aligning mm -hmm. work in a way that generates your energy versus drains your energy. So yes. I love that. And I like that as another clue as well. So it's like, we we need to do our work to make sure that we are showing up in a way that's authentic to us and that, you know, we are in our own clean energy. But I really like what you're saying also as a, you know, you were talking about what are the tact kind of tactical pieces of this thing that's hard to put your finger on. If we've done all our own inner work and we're, you know, we we feel like we're showing up in clean energy, but something about the space or the context makes us feel like we can't be ourselves. I do think that's a that can be a powerful sign that, you know, 
uh, perhaps there is a bit of dirty energy in the space when we can't just be who we are, which totally ties back to what you're saying about psychological safety. Yes. I love the word clues. <laughs> I just yeah. wrote that down. I'm like, oh, you got to pick up on the clues. And sometimes yes. it takes practice, you know, which kind of leads me to my next question for you. And just the fact that this world is moving ridiculously fast. And so sometimes, like, if you don't have this practice, it's hard to balance when everything's moving so fast, using your intuition and understanding clean energy to actually assess situations and make these really smart, practical decisions when things are moving so fast. So how could you help people or how could you like describe that to our listeners when all the things are coming at us so fast? How do we really try to to, to make those, those decisions? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, one big thing for me is practicing a pause and integrating a bit of slowness. I have found that for myself, when I'm moving too quickly, when I'm caught up, I have I have this part of myself that I that I describe as my inner executive assistant. So um, there's this part of me that she can get very caught up in typing really fast. Uh, she's super productive. She's like in the zone and she's just boop, 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 go, go, go. And sometimes if I'm in that mode, it can be easy for me to overlook the clues and just sort of breeze past them. So, you know, having some sort of pause, taking a step back, you know, very tactically speaking, sometimes for me, it's waiting a little while before I reply, because sometimes I find if I reply too quickly, I'm more likely to say yes to something when perhaps I should have said no or not right now. I also feel like having grounding practices on you know, the bookends of our day can be really helpful. So I know you're so good about your your morning soul strolls, you know. So is there something that we can do in the morning or uh, as part of our day where we can fill our own cup so that we can be more connected to that place of intuition and really picking up on those things? And then I think it's also, it can be helpful to have some kind of gut check in the form of maybe it's a process or a framework. So I like decision filters where those have helped me a lot because again, my natural tendency is to say yes. And so having a framework or a decision filter to say, okay, you know, if I'm going to say yes to a speaking event, for example, what are the conditions that need to be true for me to say yes versus just automatically replying and saying, yes, yes, I'm available. Or that gut check could be with another person. So somewhat recently, I had a situation where I had an, an interview with someone who I was looking to bring on to our team. And um, it was amazing. It was such a great interview. And this person was so wonderful and so sweet. And the energy was totally clean. It was 100% clean energy. But then when we actually looked at the the tactics of the job function and what this person's you know background and skills were, it actually wasn't aligned. And so having Maureen on my team actually helped me look at the tactical piece of that was really helpful. So um, I feel like that can be helpful at times too, where we're looking at the energy, but then also we have some kind of gut check, whether it's a decision filter or a framework or a trusted person who can help us to make sure we're making the best possible decision with the information that we have. Yes. I can't reiterate enough, enough the power of pause. I mean, yes. I think that's really everything that, you know, that really sums up everything that you shared there. And we're so quick to respond. It's like, I, I say this a lot, but my dad spent 35 years in, in the news industry where he was a design director for the newspaper. And the news cycle used to be 24 hours. And now it's pretty much live if you think about it, you know? Yeah. And so when we can just pause and figure out, you know, what's going on and just take a few minutes to digest what's actually coming at us, it can be so impactful to, you know, make the right decision or the, you know, understand if the energy is clean or it's the right situation for right now. 
you know, and that even kind of goes to the idea of the bookends. And, and I talk a lot about this too, around when you think about a day, like that 24-hour day, you have the most control over your mornings and your evenings. Usually once you get into it, the middle of the day, there's not a lot of control usually because things are just, you know, coming at you 100, 100 miles an hour. And so when you can pause in those two periods of the day and, you know, use that to determine a decision or to figure out how to respond or to start a response and then looking at it later when, you know, the the, the air is clear of all the things happening, it can help you make decisions more in line with your intuition and your own energy versus you know, just responding to respond or or saying yes to everything, which the people pleaser in me always wants to do. <laughs> so I think a lot of us are like that. We want to help. We genuinely want to help people. And so our first answer is always yes, but really, is that the right answer? And I love the example that you shared with the team member too. And because that could have been a tough decision or a tough conversation later down the road that by using that filter of Marine on your team to help you with that, it saved a lot of anxiousness and anxiety and probably on both ends, you know, later mm-hmm. down the road. So I think that's a really, a really strong example. So thank you for sharing. Yeah, I love your example of the 24-hour news cycle as well. It's I feel like that could be a little guideline that that we all take away. And, you know, it makes me think of, like you said, every everything is instant now. And I think about, you know, you go on social media, especially if something difficult is going on in the world and and you see it's like people are like reposting, 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 like by the minute, you know, by the second verse and, you know, and our email response is like, uh, firing off responses, responses to get but to inbox zero. Um, but I love this idea of, you know, it's like actually, I'm I'm personally on a 24 hour news cycle. Um, <laughs> let me let me take this in. Let me let me distill it. Let me see what's actually true here. Let me check my schedule. Uh, you know, I'll reply within 24 hours. So that's yes. a really cool little like personal guideline that I feel like a lot of us could use. Yes, I love that. I'm going to tell my dad. He'll be so happy to yes. hear that too. <laughs> yes. I think that is. I never thought of it in that context, but mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to take that. And I actually, I usually do think about things like the 24-hour rule, but I never associated those two. So thank you for yeah. doing that. It makes it so much more delightful. So yeah, of course. Thank it. you to your dad and to you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So switching gears a little bit here. So fear. Let's. I, I want to talk about fear because I know... A lot of people struggle with this, myself included. And sometimes the energy of a situation can feel right. You know, my inner, my intuition tells me to keep going or to do it, but then fear sets in and everything comes to a halting stop. So how do you differentiate between choices that are made from a place of clean energy or a place of love versus those that are influenced by fear? Yeah, I think it's such a good question. And like you said, it can be challenging because I think it shows up in subtle ways. So of course, we have the big examples, right? Like, you know, you and I both work with folks uh, sometimes who are transitioning careers. So we have these big examples, like I'm, you know, staying in my job because of the fear of leaving or fear of doing something else. So those I feel like are, they're big, we can unpack them and we can work with those. But for me, I find the the trickiest ones actually come up in more like micro moments of every day. So a couple of examples that come to mind for me would be number one, saying yes to something based on fear of fill in the blank. So for me, sometimes that can be, let's say uh, an opportunity comes into my inbox. I actually have one of these on my calendar in the future that I said yes to and probably a bit out of fear. So an opportunity comes in 
And it's maybe not the best opportunity. It's maybe not a perfect fit. It's maybe not 100% clean energy. But uh, a fear that comes up for me is if I say no to this, I am saying no to all future opportunities in this realm. And so sometimes I have said and still say yes to things that really probably are not the highest and best use of me because of a fear of if I don't say yes to this, you know, it, it might shut down other opportunities in the future. Now, sometimes that is a good choice. And sometimes from a business perspective, I think that's the right decision that like, you know, maybe this particular thing isn't 100% aligned on all fronts, but it is, you know, an opportunity that ties to something else. Okay, fine. But for me, that is one that I really have to pay attention to within myself because the the fear is very subtle. And like you and I talked about before, um, the the you know it's like we can we can bring in logic which can be really strong to logically for me anyway I can logically argue with myself in a way that leads me to that yes but if I really pay attention it's like okay is this a hundred percent from clean energy is this a hundred percent from love or did I just logic bully myself into saying yes you know for a set of reasons so that's one that creeps up for me that I have to really really pay attention to and then I would say related to that would be a fear of doing something or not doing something uh, due to potential judgment or what people will think. So um, it could, again, it could be really subtle. Like we don't address something with a friend or a family member because we have a fear of how this could go. And again, sometimes that's true, right? Like a lot of us have had a situation where we've tried to address something with someone and it's blown up or the situation has become volatile. And so there is a real legitimate fear. However, sometimes that fear then becomes sort of displaced or <laughs> spread around to situations where it might actually not be accurate. So those are a couple of examples for me, like you know, a scarcity-based fear or um, a fear of judgment, not being liked, upsetting someone, those sorts of things that that I really have to be continuously monitoring and paying attention to. Yes. And the first one that you shared there also made me think about learning opportunities. So sometimes if something is new... And it's scary because it's new, but you also know, I guess there's like a difference and it's hard to articulate, but like, you know that it's a step in the right direction that could lead to opportunities that are right. You know what I mean? So it might not be perfect, but it's going to, you know, you're going to build new skills or you're going to learn something that's, you know, in an area or a direction that's going to open up the right opportunity. So something like that came to mind for me. Do you know, does that make sense? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I love that. And tell me if I'm hearing this correctly, but what I'm hearing in what you're saying is it feels like there's a difference in the intentionality behind it. So so the outcome might look the same. So the the choice that people see on the outside might be the same. We said yes to, you know, this event that's happening in November. So that might be the outcome, but the the come from is different. So in path one, I'm saying yes to the event in November because, oh my gosh, if I don't say yes to the event, I'm never going to get another event again. And nobody's ever going to hire me and my business is going to tank. You know, So that's like option one <laughs> yes. versus the what I think I'm hearing from you is a conscious choice to say, you know what, this doesn't check every box, but it checks enough of the boxes and it, and it has enough potential to lead me in the path I want to go in that I am still going to say yes. I know that there's a bit of a risk in doing so, but it's it's aligned with the path that I want to walk down and therefore I'm going to say yes. Yes, exactly. Thank you for clarifying mm. those two. Yes, absolutely. And what I think that that does 
is it gives you information, you yes. know, to be able to filter these things going forward, especially when something's new. And I guess that's where my head went with it is something that, you know, that's new. So, you know, sometimes I think of new things like that that might be scary and, you know, coming from a place of fear immediately because it's new, but I see it as an experiment. Like, let me give this a try, see how it goes. It's not going to kill me. I'm just going to yeah. see how it goes. And then I'm going to learn. And then whatever I learn from that, I can use those filters going forward, you know, to help me make more aligned decisions in the future. So I love yeah. that. Yeah, I think I think that's awesome. And, you know, like you said, especially if we're starting something new, there's so much value in that because like you said, every single one of those is a learning opportunity and a data gathering opportunity. Um, and even, you know, we could think of it as a pilot. So it's like, maybe I'm not going to do it forever, but I'm going to do it for right now, see how it goes. And then, you know, in three months or two weeks or four years, whatever, I can, you know, pivot and do something different. Exactly, exactly. And then you hit on one that I hear pretty much from every single client that I work with about what other people are going to think. It is so, so hard to move beyond that fear. And one of the things, I'll just share this if it helps anybody out there. One of the things that really helped me with this is when we say that, we think of like, okay, it's going to, what are, what are other people going to think of me? But who, like who? And when you really narrow, when you start thinking about that and you narrow it down, it usually becomes one human that you haven't talked to in 20 years (laughs) that you think is judging you for whatever it might be, you know, maybe something that happened that blew up 20 years ago. And does it really matter now? You know, so I think kind of just sometimes filtering that even further, it helps you move beyond the fear and then know that you're moving forward, you know, from a place of love and clean energy and intuition and all the things. So I love that. That's so good. I I call it the the ambiguous many versus the trusted yes. few. And I I totally agree. It's like, what will people think? What will they think? What about other people? And I completely agree. The the people that come to mind are generally part of that ambiguous many. Um, they are not the trusted few. Like the you know you know for the most part when we're having those thoughts. Um, so coming back to who are our trusted few and whose opinion do we actually care about? Like who who do we want to gut check with? I think can be so so helpful. So I love what you're saying as far as like. Who are you talking about specifically? (laughs) (laughs) It really makes a difference when you put a name and a face to it. And when you actually think about it that way, it makes a difference. And then it helps you move beyond it. So absolutely. um, So fun. Okay. So I was wondering if you would be willing to share, you've shared a couple um, experiences, but is there like a certain personal experience that stands out to you where you successfully integrated like these intuitive insights into a maybe a bigger decision-making process? Yes. So I can share two. And for people who operate intuitively, they will be like, oh, amazing. And for people who don't, they'll be like, these, this is very weird. So I'll share two. (laughs) So um, the first one was when I made the choice to um, transition out of the corporate world to start my business. And this sounds so strange, but I was in a conversation with my leader at the time and we were inside, we were, um, you know, sitting across from each other at a desk. And during the conversation, it literally felt to me like the clouds parted. Like I, I had this experience where it felt like, again, I was inside, there was a ceiling above me, so I could not see any clouds. But in that experience, it felt like the clouds parted and light came through. And I heard myself say, you know, my last day will be May 1st. And it just, it came through me as if it was from somewhere else, um, which was very much like intuitively driven. And, you know, it was a, it was a change that I had been considering for some time, but the timing hadn't quite been right. And so 
that was one major, major decision that was very much led by, you know, intuition in that moment, along with a lot of tactical consideration on both sides of that. The other one um, was over the last few years, actually. And this this is, um, again, might sound really sort of strange to people, but a few years ago, I I got this visual to to go travel somewhere. So the way that it came to me was, you know, you see those little... Like, you know, if you're looking at a an airline map and, and it, the airline has a thing like, where do we travel to? And they sometimes have the cities and then they have a red line that oh, yeah. shows the cities where they travel to. So I got this vi- like, like this vision <laughs> of you need to go travel to this place. And so it came to me like that photo on a map where I tr- I saw a red line from where I was at that moment to where I needed to travel to. And the city that it was leading me to was a city I knew nothing about. I had really barely even heard of. I had never been there. And so, so I got on a plane and I went to the city and I touched down and I was like, oh my goodness, this city is like, it feels like home to me. It's meant to be part of my life in some way. I just, I had this overwhelming feeling of I feel home, even though I had never been there before. And so that was really interesting because this happened. I had this experience. I had this visual. Um, I went on this trip and had this very, very kind of intense experience when I was there. And then over the next few years, through again a number of tactical, <laughs> tactical pieces and a bunch of exploration and you know tactical research and logistics and all of those, began to figure out what could it look like to spend more time in this place. Which after much investigation, um, now we are working to do so. Both of those, I feel like, were examples where there were tactical pieces of that decision on both ends, but the actual decision or the actual clarity came to me in this very intuitive, visual way. So those are those are two examples wow. that come to mind. Wow, those are fabulous examples. Talk about a divine download. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it like literally, I could just, as you were speaking, I could just see like the divine download like coming right through you. Yeah, yeah. Wow, it's so interesting to me. So when people are intuitive, you hear different things. Like for you, it sounds visual. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's like just this sense of knowing, like mm, I just mm-hmm. know, you know? Yeah. And then other people have like an auditory experience where they hear things and that's like a whole nother layer of, you know, so for you, you know, the fact that you had set up your your timing to leave corporate and you did all the tactical things, but the actual conversation, you know, was like a, through this divine download. Yeah. And I should clarify too, I similarly, in most cases, the logistics have taken much longer than the clarity. Yeah. So what I, I, and I only realized this within the last year or two, I would say is that for me, intuitive clarity comes way before logistics. So that has been an interesting thing to wrap my head around because I've had a number of situations where I've had this intense, immediate intuitive clarity. But then when I looked around my life, the logistics were not anywhere near there. And the logistics actually felt incredibly overwhelming. And so, you know, that that piece about the corporate, um, the first vision I had actually was was many years before that, when I was in a session with someone and they had asked me, I was working in my corporate job and they had asked me, what is the vision that you see for your life in 10 years? And in that moment, I had, I became overwhelmed with tears. I started crying uncontrollably. I had no idea where it came from. But what happened in that moment was I had this really clear vision of my life. I could see myself 
you know, facilitating sessions in front of the room, sitting down with people one-on-one. Basically, I had a vision of my business before I had any idea that it was supposed to be a business, any idea what it was. I had no clue what I was doing in the vision. I could just see the vision. And that was many years before you know, the the clouds parting in the office thing. So (laughs) I just want to say, I think that's really common both for me and for a lot of my clients. And you probably see this too, where we get the clarity, but then the logistics take a long time to catch up. And I think um, one thing that I've been trying to practice for myself, and I think a lot of people listening perhaps could relate is to have compassion for that part, because Mm. I think sometimes it can feel frustrating. It's like, I feel clear. Like like you said, you knew that that wasn't for you. And I hear that with clients too, where it's like, I know that I no longer want to do this, but you know, fill in the blank. Like all these other things need to, to fall into place. I need to figure out what I'm going to do next. I need to update my resume. You know, uh, What are my financial situation, my insurance, all the things. So I guess what comes up as you and I are both reflecting on this is, it's like, how can we trust the intuitive clarity, but also have compassion for ourselves while we are figuring out the logistics, which sometimes take a long time. It definitely does. And I think it's it's really, it's noticing, you know, it's yeah. noticing what's going on and kind of like listening to the nudge, listening to the vision, listening to the knowing. And then, you know, just taking, I always talk about tiny actions, just taking some yeah. tiny actions to explore. And, you know, sometimes like, it sounds like for both of us, it just never went away. Like, you know, like yes. the thoughts yep. and the nudge, like once you get it, it just never goes away until yep. you actually do something about it. And then- yes. You're like, oh, why didn't I do that 10 years ago? You know, (laughs) I always think back like, why didn't I do that sooner? You know, Mm -hmm. so it's so funny that it happens that way. But I think that's a really good example of like, hey, this isn't just, you know, we're being super impatient. Like we're hearing, we're seeing, we're feeling, and then it's taking time to actually act on it. But the fact that we're acting on it, I think is the biggest piece there. So sometimes, you know, you just shove it aside, you shove it aside, and then you're always going to just be in this space of probably unfulfillment, no matter you know what the situation is, until you actually listen to it and, and take some tiny actions. So yeah, that's so well said. I, I call it the inner whisper, and I yes. completely agree. It's like if we ignore the inner whisper, it likely will not go away. It will just become louder and louder. Yeah. <laughs> and I love what you're saying about tiny actions too. I know you know you you do such a beautiful job of working with people around career change, and that's when I think about a lot. Where like the question that presents is, I want to change jobs or I want to change industries or I want to change careers. It's like, well, the first step might actually be to go onto your computer and like dig through your files and find your resume that you haven't touched for 12 years. And like, that's okay. But like, that might be the tiny action. It's just like, where is my resume? Like, (laughs) I'm pretty sure I still have one. Let me just go find it. Okay. That's the tiny action. You know, it's like, you don't have to leap from find your resume to, you know, complete industry pivot, you know, in two days, but taking those tiny actions can feel so supportive. It does. It does. I talk, I have this phrase I use, it's called five minutes to flourish. So just five minutes, just five minutes doing one thing that, you know, that intuition is telling you to do can make a big difference because those five minutes add up. So I love that. And so, you know, again, like we, this is something that we can't see. um, And so it's hard for people to kind of get their head wrapped around it. But if you have any like signals or indicators or anything that you could share with folks around ensuring they're listening to their intuition or clean energy, I think that that would be really cool. Mm, Absolutely. So I guess the first one would be just listening to our bodies. So typically speaking, if there is dirty energy, there is something happening in our bodies. And that presents differently for everyone. But, you know, it might be a kind of a queasy feeling in your stomach. It might be your spidey senses are going up. It might be a sinking feeling, whatever it might be. Usually there's some sort of physical clue, even if it's very, very minor. So is there a way that we can pay attention to that? 
um, number one. Number two, what I have found is oftentimes in a situation where something is misaligned, there is some very early indication that is there if we are willing to look for it. So are we paying attention? And if there are clues in early interactions, can we notice those and pay attention to those and not immediately dismiss dismiss them or dismiss ourselves for picking up on them? So something I've realized over the years is that for situations that haven't gone as planned or that have panned out poorly, there was something that happened in the very first instance of the situation, whether it was the introduction to the person or the setting or the event that was off. And if I would have listened to that, things would have gone much differently. So paying attention to early interactions and just, you know, noticing and trusting ourselves if there is something that doesn't feel quite right. A couple of other things could be the the decision filters or frameworks that we talked about. So what I find is that like like you mentioned, it can be hard to do this in everyday moments when we're moving really quickly. So something that has worked well for me and for a lot of my clients is to have a set of decision filters. So, you know, for whatever it is we're doing, whether it's, um, I, I mentioned, you know, speaking events or uh, taking on new clients or saying yes to volunteer opportunities or whatever it is, what are the criteria that need to be true for us to say yes and move forward? And, you know, for some people, it's helpful to just have that on a post-it. So when something comes in, it's like, does this meet this criteria or does it meet three of five criteria, whatever it is? If so, we can proceed. If not, you know, it's not a good fit. And then the the other tactic I would offer is figuring out the things that are true for us and then standing by those. So something that I've noticed in my own business is if a, if someone from a company reaches out to me and they're interested in um, you know, leadership development for their organization or executive coaching, whatever it might be, 99.9% of the time, if it's going to be a right fit client for me, I am talking to the key decision makers early on in the process. And on the flip side, 99.9% of the time, if it's not not going to be a good match, from the beginning, there is triangulation happening where somebody is reaching out on behalf of somebody else, on behalf of somebody else and somebody else. And there's there's already this triangulation happening and it is not possible to have a direct conversation with the people making the decisions. Now, again, that's not dirty energy that's out of malice or any ill intent, but it's dirty energy because even in our initial interactions, there's triangulation happening and there's no way to have a direct communi- you know, direct conversation or direct communication, which is very much misaligned with <laughs> the, the, the spirit of my work. So that's one for me and that's probably going to be different for everybody. But are there any clues or requirements for you or you know, for our listeners in their own context that help to create clean energy? So for me, you know, it's like no triangulation, you know, in order to not have triangulation, I need to talk with the decision makers up front. So that's a requirement. So for me, and again, I'm not always perfect with this. I sometimes go down the road of this um, too far before I before I really call it. But um, that's one where it's a tactical thing that I can do to ensure clean energy up front. And if if the group is not willing to do that, then that allows me to say, you know what, I don't think this is actually a good fit. Um, perhaps I need to step away. Mm-hmm. That's a great example. And I love that you mentioned, you know, starting with the somatic and like just listening to your body. And I know like the gut feel, it's a real thing, friends. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. so pay attention and then noticing those different clues and then having the decision filter. And I love the yeah. idea of having it right there, have it right yeah. there on your post it on your desk. And, 
you know, as things come in, use that. Use that as a tool for yourself to just to kind of start thinking through things and whether or not it's going to it's going to be a fit. And then as we talked about before, you know, you didn't learn about the triangulation piece you know, right the first time you did it. Yeah. It's, you know, so you you practice and you learn and you use those, you know, kind of going forward as filters. And that's, I think, a thing with, you know, intuition and clean energy is like, it's not just something people have and people don't have. It's, right, it's a practice. Right. It takes time, you know, to kind of figure it out. And the more you can listen to your body and the more you can notice the clues and use, you know, these decision filters going forward, the better you get at it. And it's, it, mm-hmm. you know, it just takes time. So... Um, Really good practical ideas here. And I guess like the other thing I would add is this should be fun. Like I think intuition and like using your intuition is so fun, you know? So it shouldn't be just like a bother or, you know, another thing. Like it should just be really, there's an element of fun in there too, so... I love that. And I really like that you said uh, it's a practice. And I just want to underline that because all these things we've been talking about, I still screw these up all the time. You know, like I I have a proposal out for a company that is totally, that's totally doing the triangulation thing, you know? And, and if I could go back in time several months when I started talking with them, um, I would have handled it differently. It's very, it's a very recent example. Uh, I screwed up, you know, it's not the end of the world, but it's a practice. And I, I just, I really like the, the fact that you used the word practice because I think that's just so spot on. We can we can keep practicing. We'll probably mess up. We can pay attention, but um, to keep right. the practice alive, um, I think is so key. Definitely. So, other than expansive impact, <laughs> which everyone needs to go out and buy, we'll make sure we're going to put a link right in the show notes. What's one book or podcast or resource that has had a significant impact on you or your career or your business that you would want to recommend to folks? Mm, yeah, I will recommend two. Um, one sort of aligned with our conversation today and then one just general. Um, so the the one that comes to mind based on our conversation today is called Leadership, the Eleanor Roosevelt Way. And when I was working in the corporate world, there's a line in that book that says you need to have skin as thick as a rhinoceros hide. And there were several really, really, really challenging periods of my <laughs> of my former chapter. And I remember many days I would be, you know, connecting with my mom and she would remind me, I had told her about that line in the book and she would remind <laughs> me of that line in the book um, to have skin as thick as a rhinoceros hide. And that really helped me get through some challenging conversations and challenging situations. So that's one that comes to mind. And then this one is so, you know, classic and a little bit old school, but I feel like it's so timeless, um, which is just the the seven habits of mm-hmm. highly effective people by Stephen Covey. And mm-hmm. I find that that book it's so much of the wisdom in that book has been sort of like repurposed and redistilled in a lot of the works of today. And I feel like it's one of those books that if you just, if you would go through and just pick, you know, a paragraph or a sentence or a page and really practice it, that it can be quite transformative. So that's, that's another one that comes to mind. I just think the wisdom in that book is really, really timeless and and really powerful. Timeless and wisdom, 100% on that book. I feel like I read it so many years ago and now you're reminding me, maybe this is a divine wink that I need to pick it up and take another peek at it. It is one that you can just always practice Mm -hmm. year over year. So great recommendations. And the rhino, so I just got this vision of like a big rhino, you know, with that thick gray skin. And it's so true. Like I absolutely love that. I love that. I feel like if we all had like a little pin of a rhino on our computers. Yeah. Like when things yep. like that happen, it would be so fun. Just like such a fun reminder and such a yes. fun visual too. So excellent recommendations. Thank you, Sarah. So, Oh, of course. 
What an informative conversation. I really appreciate your your authenticity and your sharing of examples of a topic that's really hard to bring to light. So as we wrap up, I really just want to extend a heartfelt thank you to you, Sarah, for, for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, I loved our conversation. So if you listeners are as invigorated as I am by Sarah's words, you won't want to miss out on her incredible book, Expansive Impact. She also has a fabulous newsletter, Friday Favorites, and I highly recommend that you subscribe to it. We'll include links to all of these places uh, to find Sarah in the show notes. And as always, you can find the detailed notes from today's episode on the blog at flourish.careers slash blog. Thank you so much for tuning in and we'll talk to you next time.